Hey everyone, this is Dave Broadbeck, um, coming to you just before the start of the winter 2017 term. Uh, the lecture you've downloaded is from, uh, or you're streaming, you could be streaming it, it could be streaming, maybe not downloading, anyway, user technicalities and don't matter that much, is from uh, Psychology 3256, Advanced Univariate Statistics. It's, of course, needs to be called Design and Analysis 1, that uh, we changed the name. Um, so this is the lecture. There's also uh, our YouTube video. So you want to check those out. So you just have to search on YouTube for my name, um, and you'll see a playlist of Psych 3256 for this uh, coming year. Uh, thanks a lot for downloading, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, the chance of anybody actually enjoying a statistics le lecture, I just think is pretty begins the final topic of term. So today and the next day we're going to talk about multiple regression. Um, very often we're interested in simple one-to-one -one variable relationships and we talked about correlation and simple regression, that's what we were talking about. Okay, so let's say you have two variables, x and y. So you have these two variables, x and y, and you do a correlation, and you get a correlation of 0.5, okay? which is high for the social sciences, for things like looking at personality variables, personality questionnaires, things like that, real ones, not those Facebook ones, actual ones. Can we guess which Game of Thrones character you are based on the color of flower you enjoy? <laughs> no, no, you can't. That's stupid. I once made one that said, can we guess which Dave Broadbeck you are based on your answer to this question? Are you Dave Broadbeck? Because then you're me. If not, go to hell. You're just, just stop answering. But real, real ones, if you take a look at a single behavior and your score on some personality test, I haven't taken personality psychology in a long time. Give me a personality characteristic that's measured. Neuroticism. Okay. And what would be related to neuroticism? Uh, anxiety, negative. Emotion. No, give me behavior. Um, when your high score higher on neuroticism, what are you more likely to do? Treat your nails. There you go. That's good. Wait a minute, I, I, I treat my nails for, for, for 40 years. I stopped like a week ago, and I don't know why. It's really weird. I have fingernails. Anyway, it's weird. I don't know what happened. Probably, probably stopped taking heroin. Probably did it. So, you know the correlation would be there? It's like 0.3 would be a really high one. We'd be very happy. A 0.3 correlation, by the way, looks roughly like... Oh. It's not... Jeez. Like that. <laughs> you can hardly even see it. It sounds great. That's probably close to a 0.4. Like, you can see this relationship there, but it's not that impressive. A 0.5, which is not that much more impressive than that, you might think, oh, that's wonderful. That is high, by the way. That's the kind of correlations we get with IQ in certain behaviors. We get with IQ and uh, income. We get with IQ and salary, lifetime earnings. <coughs> Excuse me. 
you get about you get years of education, likely to be getting into graduate school, stuff like that. We get 0.5, which sounds pretty good because it's like, well, it sounds like half, except it's not half. R is the as you know from last time. R is the covariance of x and y divided by the standard deviation of x times the standard deviation of y. So the question you're asking then is how much variance in x is accounted for by variance in y? So, <coughs> excuse me. Remember, covariance can have negatives and positives. It's not really a measure of variance per se. So in fact, r actually deals with standard deviations. So we have to square R to get variances. So R squared in this case, and I'm going to call it little r squared to differentiate it from something else that we'll talk about maybe today, but definitely by Tuesday, big r squared. Little r squared is like a 0.25. In other words, you've accounted for a quarter of the variance, 25% of the variance. 75% left. So even these nice high correlations we get with IQ, which are sort of, IQ is so different than other personality variables that it's often considered an entirely different thing. It's, you know, intelligence isn't considered a personality trait. It's, it's studied differently. Wow. Because we account for a quarter of the variance in certain things. Ooh, science. So, That sounds good. This sounds, depends on how you frame a question. It also means we have, we, there's 75% we haven't explained yet. <coughs> that coffee went down one point. Jeez. Okay. There must be other variables that account for the rest of the variance. There have to be. Yes? Makes sense, yeah? We may not know what they are, but they must be out there. They are somewhere out there. Celine Dion, is that who that was? She sing somewhere out there? <laughs> I hate her music. Boy, can she sing. But I can't stand her. I believe everything she does is melodramatic. Like, I get when she gets up in the morning and asks, is there any coffee? <laughs> it's probably overdramatic and just syrupy and dripping with fake authenticity. Or, or fake authenticity, I believe, is the official term for that. Fake authenticity. Thank you. Um, we deal this. We deal with this by actually bringing those other variables into the model. It's analogous to what we do. Remember, I talked about. We, when I first introduced the idea of factorial analysis of variance, and I said, what level of, level of processing do you do the retention level experiment at, and vice versa? Well, why not just do both? Right? Why can't we have both? So you bring them into the model. So it looks like this. So there's the variance in Y. The hardest part about all of this stuff is going to be thinking about variance as a thing, as an object you can touch and hold and nurture and love. Well, not the last two, but something you can actually experience, something you can imagine. Variance is a hard thing to imagine existing. I can think of it mathematically. 
And I, I can think of it this way because I've been thinking about this stuff for a long time. But this circle is all the variance in Y. That's what it represents. And then we have X1. The overlap is how we're explaining variance in Y with variance in X1. So if Y is... Uh, Lifetime salary or something like that. Like, yeah, okay, lifetime earnings. And X1 is IQ. Your score on the question of adult intelligence scale. We're going to account for it, and that's about a quarter. I don't know if I made it perfectly nicely, but it's close. So there have to be other variables. What's another variable you think that maybe could relate to your lifetime earnings that, <coughs> is, that isn't IQ? I'm assuming we're talking about people living in Canada. Years of schooling. Years of schooling. Probably relates also to IQ. Let's pretend it doesn't and doesn't overlap. But that's a good one. So we bring in X2. Now we've accounted for more variance in Y. We've accounted for, as you notice here, unique variance in Y. It's not this, it doesn't overlap here with X1, it's on its own. This is horrible. How can people here see it? Is this new one? Is that there? Yeah, worse. Okay. I've nicely figured that out on the final day. Eh? <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. That's why I thought that thing that must be in the way. You should have said something earlier. You can't draw a circle from the light. Do you want me to draw your circle? You can't draw circles? <laughs> How did you get into university? I don't know. There was, that, there was no art component? Except <laughs> that that's art. So do you see what we've done here? I've had circles that are animated, and what they represent is variance. And the overlap is shared variance. And we have shared variance, we've explained variance in one variable with variance in another. If we had height in centimeters as the y and height in inches as the x, they would be completely overlapping. Because the variance in y explains the variance in another. Make sense? Okay. That's so far. This is good, I hope. I think this is good. I like this picture. I also like the animations are fun. Okay. In general, what we end up with is a model. We always go back to having some kind of model. So y hat equals b sub 0. Remember yesterday or two days ago it was a? Let's change it to b again. <laughs> so b sub 0 plus b sub 1 x sub 1 plus b sub 2 x sub 2 plus dot 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 b sub p sub B sub P minus 1, X sub P minus 1, plus P. We have P minus 1 predictor variables. We have P parameters, because there's a B sub 0 that has no X. We have P minus 1 predictor variables. Okay. These shoes come untied constantly. It is very strange. You should get velcro. No, 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 the classics. Just don't know. No, that's even worse than velcro. They're too loose. They're too loose. My kids' ones don't have laces. <laughs> well, I have size 11 and a half feet. They don't make kids' <laughs> shoes that size. Eat it and wear 
They may be on eBay. Really giant kids for yeah. giant children. You saw that guy who got like a giant slipper yeah. and he just used those beds. Um, no, I've never seen it. You wanted like the size of like a million people's size. A hundred and ten. Like one, eleven hundred. That's good. It was from China, so of course. Well, see, there's a billion three people. There probably is somebody who's been there. Yeah, living in the mountains. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty good. That was funny. I don't know why that was funny. I thought it was, but I spoke coffee all over my face. Okay, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Okay, so we have p minus one. Don't say why aren't there p predictors. It's not. A, there are p minus one predictors. There are p parameters. Okay, because this is also a parameter. That's what. Or it's a statistic in this case, but in the in model parlance, it's important. Okay. Every year, someone's what do you just call it p? Because it's not p. P is a measure of number of what we would probably call free parameters in the model. P minus one is the number of predictors, okay? So they really aren't parameters. I think of them as P stands, I think of P standing for parameter. But I'm using that in a very loose term. In, in technical terminology, in other words, correctly, these are statistics, they aren't parameters, okay? So far, so good? So in the population, in other words, here's the, what it looks like in the population. Here's the, here's the thing that's most akin to the structural model of analysis of variance, which is about parameters. They just become Greek letters and capital letters. Y equals beta, zero, plus beta sub 1 x sub 1 plus beta sub 2 x sub 2 plus dot 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 beta sub p minus 1 x sub p minus 1 plus epsilon. <coughs> okay. That's in the population. Um, we can say a couple of things here that the errors are normally, indis normally distributed independent with a mean of 0 and a, a variance of sigma squared sub epsilon. That should look familiar. That's exactly the same as it is in analysis of variance. In this case, epsilon is an error. It's individual variation. And that's, in fact, when you think about it, that's typically what it is in, you know, we, don't, it's, it's, we call it error, but really, in analysis variance, too, it's, I remember I was saying, this is the level of uh, being. Of being a human called being Enya or or, or, or being Maria or being Samantha or being Samantha. Oh, that's in the last case, definitely. Right? So, same kind of thing. Okay? Also, no, this is not predicted y. This is not y hat. This actually says this is how the world works. And a score equals. In other words, this is way more like the structural model of ANOVA than the other one with y hat and b's. These betas are a lot more like the uh, alphas, betas, sigmas, whatever, deltas, and gammas, and such, in the ANOVA model. Those b's, b sub 0, b sub 1, b sub 2, 
you'll often hear them called betas, and that technically is incorrect. In fact, I believe when you get an output from SPSS, it says beta weights. They really aren't betas, but people have been calling that so long that it's stuck. It's like most facial tissue isn't Kleenex. It's just become that way. Everybody knows what it means, but technically they're Bs and these are betas, and you never really get the betas because they're population parameters and you can't know them. You're estimating the betas with the Bs. Okay. Just like we estimate the treatment effects with the values we get for, we're estimating tau in analysis variance with the little treatment effects we figure out. trying to do that is bring in more variables into a model to make a better prediction. To make a better prediction. So what do we get? If p minus 1, we have p minus 1 predictions equals 1, sorry. So if p minus 1 predictors, we have one of those, we get a line. Okay. So here's, we get a line. We have one y variable and one x variable. <coughs> now, for those of you that haven't looked at this yet, if you have, don't spoil it. If we get, if we have two, if p minus one equals two, what do we get? We don't get a line anymore. What do we get? Is it a curve? No. No. At least you tried. Thank you. So now we have a third variable. We've got x, y, well, x1, and x2. It's in three dimensions now. What do we get? I know some of you didn't see it in front of you. Here's this. Here's the last page that just says have a good summer. No, it's okay. I can use the ones with the definitions. This is what okay, look. Pretend we don't have any third, ver th third um, dimensions. That's a line. Just this, that's, that's all you can see. The universe, this is a universe, only has two dimensions. Now we have a third dimension. Oh, we get a surface or a plane. Okay? Remember learning Cartesian geometry, x, y coordinates in high school, right? Did you ever do three coordinate, x, y, z? Ever came up? Yeah. Yeah. You've got equations of planes or surfaces. Okay. Now, what if p minus 1 is greater than 2? And again, if you're looking at it, that's no fun. And I encourage you to look at the advanced that was understanding. I know you don't all have it in front of you. What would you think you'd get if, if p minus 1 was greater than 2? So in other words, you have at least, at least three predictors. Maybe you have five predictors. <coughs> Four or seven. If you have 12, then whatever. Would it be like a prism? It's still a three-dimensional object, right? Oh, God. Yeah. Four dimensions. <coughs> and alternate dimensions? 
What you have, in fact, classically, you would say you have something moving in time, and that the, the, the other axis is time. So it, that's kind of hard to start to imagine. <laughs> in fact, technically, what you get is something called a hyperplane in hyperspace, which is when you have to spin up the faster than light drive to get away from the silos. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. You can't imagine. The only thing you can imagine is if you thought of time as, the, as time as the fourth dimension, it would look like this. So here's the surface, but because there's a variable time, it would be changing position all the time. Now, if you've got something that's got a very linear relationship and you deal with enough of this kind of data, you can actually kind of imagine it. But you have to have been doing it a long time and doing something that's, there isn't a whole lot of change in time. So you would get something probably that would look like this. So there's your x and y, and then it would keep spinning. Like the ballerinas on the eye things. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. You lost me. I believe you. If online, it's like, which way do you think? Yeah, and it's like, well, like spinning oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that'll yeah. lead you to me. If you're left brain, you see it go right. And if you're right brain, you see it go left. But it's not mm -hmm. actually true. Yeah, of course it isn't, because there's no left brain, right brain. Confuse yeah. yourself. You're like, I just see it yeah. standing still. But it's good if you're high. <laughs> um, people have told me. It'll be legal soon. I'm stoned right now. Um, same. Yeah, good. We probably know the same guy. So, um... <laughs> So, ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Because I just thought of, there's no way I can tell you, and I will never say it out loud. But, just turn the mic off. No, I, I still can't, I can't even tell you without recording. Wait, on, on <laughs> no, I can't do that either. I can't, I literally could not share this, no. But, <laughs> it's not bad or anything, it's just something I shouldn't say. However, what if you have, some people say, what if you have more, then you got color, it changes in color, I can't do that. Yeah. At that point, your best bet is to not try to imagine hyperplanes in hyperspace, because you can't probably do it. Our universe has three dimensions clearly, and then the fourth being time, which if you, you other dimensions, no, don't do that. It's bad for you. It'll, it'll blow your mind, man. It only works. Central crisis. Yeah. You're having an existential crisis. So it's like it's suddenly you're Kafka. Um, <laughs> again, some of these, very often, many of these jokes are for me, uh, so I can tell friends. I got, remember, was it the other day when I said it's science, you can't argue with it? And I said I was going to say that just so I could tell my friends that I do a podcast with? I did. That night we recorded. So, <laughs> I got laughs from my two co-hosts, the eight listeners we have. That, was, that one's pretty specialized. It's really just for us. We don't care if anyone listens. We, re we record these other shows together, and then we realized we also talked about ridiculous shit over and over again. We just should record the rest of these conversations we're having, so we get those at mmvh.ca. Anyway, don't, don't try to imagine. So I like imagining lines. I like imagining planes, because I can do that. I can sometimes imagine moving planes, um, but that's pretty rare. I stop trying to visualize stuff. And I like pictures for statistics. I think it's very useful. But 
don't do this. You can't. You can't think in five and six dimensional space. You just can't. It can't be imagined. Right? There's a reason in, in, in uh, science fiction they, they can travel faster than the speed of light in hyperspace. You know why? Because you don't have to imagine it because it's totally imaginary. It doesn't exist. You can just make up bullshit, which allows things to go really fast. Allows us to, allows the humans to beat the Vorlons and the Shadows in Babylon 5. Spoiler alert, show me the 1999. Okay? It allows us to go faster than the speed of light. All that crap, that's bullshit. It's really faster than the speed of light. Except in Star Trek, which is all true. <laughs> you thought now it's a very smooth variance of God. Just when you thought it was safe to go out, Anova returned. Anova, the reckoning. Um, you can find out if your regression model is significant with analysis of variance, which makes sense. How much variance have we? Ex- it's the question is asking how much variance and why have we explained with variance and predict variables? That sounds like that sounds like a job for analysis of variance, Batman. I'm not sure if you're laughing at me or with me or, <laughs> or just because you're happy that it's almost finished. I, I suspect a it's a little, little bit of all three there. Variance due to regression. That's the model. That's the stuff after the white hat. Oh, and, and the intercept. And variance due to the residual. What's left over. You may have noticed, by the way, that when you do... Uh, analysis of variance by SPSS, traditional analysis of variance using the GLM procedure. If you, you know, when you, when you played with that a little bit, I showed you that. It shows you something that's intercept and model, because the math that it's doing actually is regression. It's not doing traditional analysis of variance math. It comes out the same, which is cool. So we get variance to the residual and variance due to the regression model. like this. But it's a very simple analysis of variance. We get source of variation is regression or residual. That's left <coughs> and total, of course. We get a mean a sum of square, which I'm not even going to show you to calculate. Don't worry about that. This is on the level of why would anyone do this by hand. The mean square is sum of squares regression over P minus 1 for regression. Sum of squares residual, it should be over N minus P, that's a typo. Sum of squares residual over N minus P. And then we take an F value, mean squared regression over mean squared residual. Where should it be N minus P? This here. Oh. Sum of squares oh, oh, okay. residual over N minus P. I don't know, that's just a mistake. Some squares, or mean squared uh, regression over mean squared residual. If you look, you get n minus one and n minus sorry, p minus one and n minus p degrees of freedom. The end here, but you might wonder what's the end because you've got, let's say you've got 500 cases like records, and you've got 20 variables. Let's say at 500, n is 500. 500 records. It's not. It's, it's the number of um, individual subjects you measure. Okay. 
So far, it's like that bad. So this analysis is about the whole model. So y hat equals b sub zero plus b sub one x sub one b sub two x sub two. Let's say we got a three variable model b, b sub three x sub three. That tells you are you explaining a significant amount of the variance in y with b sub 0 plus b sub 1 x sub 1, b sub 2 x sub 2, b sub 3 x sub 3. In other words, the whole thing. It's not about the individual x variables and the weights you put on them, the coefficients. It's about the whole thing. Um, it's a sum of its parts. So what it's measuring then is if we have a three variable model it's saying is that significant the overlap x1 x2 x3 it's not saying is x1 significant amount or x2 a significant amount or x3 a significant amount or x1 and x2 or x2 and x3 or x1 and x3 I think it's all the possibilities or x1 x2 x3 no that is what it's saying all of them together That's what it's. At. That's that's the question that, that this ANOVA actually answers. Questions? And the B values that come out tell you how much to multiply the X value that you get by to when you add it all together, figure out why. So of course the model's going to be significant. It never isn't. I mean, it just never isn't. It's going to explain enough variance that it's going to be, it's, it's going to be non-zero. So if it, I can't think of two variables that don't correlate. At least a little tiny bit. When we add a bunch of them together, we're going to get enough that we can explain something. It may be trivial and uninteresting. We're going to get something. It's something. Okay. So of course the model's going to be significant. You just, it doesn't happen that it isn't. What we're really interested in is how much extra variation in Y is accounted for by adding another variable into the model. So if we have Y hat equals B sub 0 plus B sub 1 X sub 1, and then we add in B sub 2 X sub 2, how much extra variation in y is accounted for by adding in variation in x? Because you've lost degrees of freedom whenever you do that. Whenever you bring in a variable, no matter what you're doing, what kind of stats you're doing, you lose degree of freedom. So that's a much more interesting and actually useful question. That's a useful question. These, the, the question of is the whole model going to be significant? Like, in other words, all the variables, of course it is. Of course it is. So think of it this way. Let's say we are explaining. Let's get away from the income and IQ. Let's let's move away from that. Let's let's explain something else. Okay, let's explain 
life expectancy. It's depressing, maybe. But yeah, we're all gonna live forever. I'm gonna live forever, it's my plan. So far it's working out perfectly. Um, There's a problem with inductive reasoning. Yeah, life expectancy. Give me some give me give me two variables that correlate with life expectancy. Drug use. Yeah, well, how are we gonna quantify that? Uh, no, that's okay. okay. Let's think. How are we gonna quantify it? Uh, Number of alcoholic drinks you have a day. Sure. That's good. Sure. I think it probably, I'm almost certain that, that those, those were, yeah, almost certain those were really Sadly, I'm stumbling because I drink a great deal. Um, <laughs> give me another one. Eating, Positive or negative? Eating a high cholesterol diet. Okay. So you're saying if you eat more cholesterol, you don't live as long. I'm not sure that's even true. But I, have, I follow so little of that health stuff. Again, don't care. Let's pretend no. Clog your arteries. Clog your arteries. Isn't that more about, oh, I don't care. Let's say it's about cholesterol. <laughs> it is about cholesterol in your body. I mean, it's not necessarily about ingesting cholesterol. But that's a good one. But diet, diet, drug use. Okay, good. Those are two good ones. We're going to explain a lot of variants now. Now let's bring in something that's ridiculous that has no real relationship to life expectancy or a very small one. <laughs> Give me something that has very little relationship to life expectancy. Shoe size. Shoe size. Perfect. That's a really good example. Thank you. No, it really is. It's almost, it's, it's, it's like earlobe area would be another great one. <laughs> Whether or not your earlobes are attached. <laughs> anyway, that's just zero really? to death. Because you can have earlobes that are attached to your, like that? Or that you can have. All, like, like, what like, are mine? Look at mine. I mean, you can have normal earlobes like, like, like we do, or you can have, oh. apparently, maybe Maria has weird earlobes. Yeah. Because she's. Like, they're like, she's, she's, so, mine are just Yeah. Don't forget it. No, I didn't have a Donald Sutherland, end of the vision device. Okay, yeah. Earlobe size and um, shoe size. There's probably some very small correlation there, actually. There probably is some, because there always is something. But it's probably so minuscule in importance that we wouldn't care. However, if we had a regression model that said we have how long you live equals some base number as your intercept, plus some negative number times the number of alcoholic drinks you have a day, because it's going to drop it, plus some Negative number again, wow. We're thinking about things that kill us. But the number of cholesterol you ingest, plus some really small number close to zero times your shoe size, plus some really small number times the area of your earlobe. We would get a significant regression model. Would you feel confident publishing an article that said, <laughs> we can predict the, how long you live based on four key variables? Diet, alcohol, shoe size, and earlobe size. No, you wouldn't, would you? Because, remember, because there's such small correlations, we would have a number very close to zero as that B times your shoe size. That's no good. But, it, but, but, the, but the analysis is very, it said it was significant. Now, what about we just remove that? It's still significant, probably. We haven't accounted for enough extra variance. Whoops. We don't want... To lose degrees of freedom and increase. I'm sorry. It's, 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 no, 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 it's the way. Now, fire hazard. It's a fire hazard. <laughs> I don't think it's a fire hazard unless there's like 
What do you have in that bag? Um, explosions. Explosions. <laughs> As you say it on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's everyone run for your lives. This may be the last you hear from me. It's not the police. So. I'm very scared. Okay, so. The good thing is, every year this is the YouTube video that gets the most watches because it's the most complicated stuff. And then so it gets stuff outside, outside the class. So now people all over the world are like, what the fuck? Yeah. No, they've listened to anything I've done before they're used to this No, you know what it is? This stuff isn't that interesting. I've got to do something. Um, you would not feel comfortable adding in that extra variable. The shoe size of you know, it's stupid. It, it, it explains a small amount of variance, but that B we put at the beginning that was calculated, you know, three calculate. It's kind of like the way he's calculated we can do single regression. It's really small, it's close to zero. It's, it's a thing, like, it probably does matter at some level. Probably if you're really, 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 really huge, you don't live as long. I don't know, like seven foot eleven or something. I don't know. So you get bigger earlobes and bigger shoes. Maybe. There's probably something there. It's probably so vanishingly small. Think of like You take everything into the strangest place, which I love. I'm so glad you're here. Um, well, like Benjamin Bolt played, for, played professional basketball for the uh, Washington Bullets, a couple other teams. He was seven foot ten. Yeah, he was. Uh, they found him in. Um, he's a scout. He's Somali. No, no, he never played basketball before. A scout went to Somalia and found they found a really tall guy. Uh, from uh, uh, his his people were really tall people to begin with, and they find this guy and they take him to the states to play college basketball. He's he's, he's 160 pounds and he's seven foot ten. All he did was drink milkshakes and do weights to gain weight. But he eventually he was so tall he didn't play in the NBA. That the um, he could dunk the ball like just without jumping, <laughs> and he could block he could block shots. He didn't have to jump. Just go. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he eventually was got okay at basketball, and he died at like forty something, doing relief work in his name Somalia. He was a pretty amazing guy. He was a pretty amazing guy. Manutbol, M-A-N-U-T-E-B-O-L. Anyway. So we get a value for all the variables together, x1, x2, x3, and it's called big R squared, and that's going to be sum of squares regression over sum of squares total. That's one way to measure how much variance we've accounted for. Remember, little r squared talked about, does the same thing for just one variable, n, y. Here we've got three or four or 11 variables in y. Okay. So when we add a variable in, if you have a model of five x variables, okay, five x's, so you got x1, x2, x3, x4, x5, and you add in a sixth x, does r squared go up? It has well, it may or maybe hugely, oh. but it or or maybe it could be. No, it's not tricky. It could be that. So there's x four, and we'll put x five here. 
and then maybe X6 is over here. <laughs> it doesn't have overlap at all. It could go up, not at all, but that's so vanishingly small probability that we say it doesn't happen. Do eventually they cover in some... 100% of they, it? Yeah, well, once you explain all the variants, yeah, but you never, oh, you never So anything. you wouldn't have like 300 variables that. You might, you know, you might, but is that useful? This is a question you can ask yourself. Like, it gets so complicated to understand. If I give you an equation or a regression model that has 300 variables to predict your, your uh, life expectancy, and then we throw in shoe size and earlobe size, but if I can give you one that has three that explains almost the same amount of variance, the one with three is more useful. Yeah, right? So it has to go up, or it could stay the same, theoretically. The chances are very small. So the question is, does it go up by enough to satisfy you? Right? Does this extra variance you accounted for, is it enough? And you might say to yourself, self, how much is enough? And that's a judgment call. Oh, that's interesting. There is a cutoff that's typically used. Is it a significant amount of variance? But even then, if our first three variables account for a great deal and our fourth one's still technically, statistically significant, using a test I'll show you in a second, but it's so small that it doesn't matter practically, we probably wouldn't use it. Because you've lost a degree of freedom. And you've increased the complexity of your model. Think about this. If you go from a two-variable model, <clears throat> which is a, a surface, you can actually draw a, a 3D surface. Well, I can't. But I can get a printer to do it. I can take software and put two predictor variables in and a Y, and it, it'll, it'll, it'll draw a plane. It'll be on two-dimensional paper, obviously. But it looks three-dimensional. Or, or I could give you 3D glasses, I don't know. But, so that's one level of complexity. If I add one more variable, it suddenly becomes way more complicated. So that's something. Every time you add another variable, especially going from two to three, especially going from something you can draw to something you literally cannot draw, going from a plane to a hyperplane, that's a big step. And remember, we're trying to communicate our results to the humans. They paid for it. Right? They paid for our research. Thank you, taxpayers of Canada. So let's try to communicate our results to them. And we make it so it's so hard for them to understand that they can't read it and they can't understand it without having to have an advanced degree in statistics. What use is it? We haven't helped anybody <coughs> on a very practical level. There's practical significance and statistical significance. They're the same thing. It's nice when they are. They usually are. So we need something other than our than our squared because our squared keeps going up. We can't say, "Oh, right, it keeps going up. We're happy because we're idiots." I'm never going to ask you how to calculate this story, but this thing is called adjusted R squared, and it's weighted by the number of predictors, right, and the number of observations. So it actually can go up and down. Yay! It's still pretty crude, but at least it can go up and down. At least if we add another variable and calculate this again, this thing can actually go down. That's a valuable thing. Because 
at least it tells us, oh, this is kind of a, a mathematical way, an algorithm really, of saying, is it worth adding in another variable? It's not perfect, it's very crude, but it's way better than R squared because R squared's always going to go up. Adjusted R squared doesn't always go up, sometimes it drops. So in this case, let's say we threw in, so we got the diet question, and we got the alcohol consumption question, and then we throw in the data about the shoe size, and it, it actually drops, R squared, adjusted R squared drops. No, no, let's not put that in. Whereas with regular R squared, it would go up. So you'll see when you're building a regression model, uh, if you, any, any software will give you adjusted R squared. It'll give you the R squared because, well, you can also calculate it by just creating a calculated look at the ANOVA table. But it'll always give you adjusted R squareds. It's very useful. You can probably guess that the way you end up building these models is, is, is getting a whole bunch of different models and picking the best one. Oh, look, there's 15 points on the final exam about that. Questions so far? Even though you might think to yourself, oh, that was like four slides ago, I shouldn't ask it. Ask it. If you follow me so far, I'm using way more examples than I usually do when I teach this stuff. So I'm trying to do it. So I'll ask one yes, just kind of for the hell of it. So we always use big R squared when it's going to be multiple. And then are we ever going to have a question that's going to be a single variable? How do you mean questions in the single? Oh, you mean like yeah, like small R. Um, they're so analogous that they're basically the same thing. One's just for simple linear regression. One's for multiple. Oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. conceptually they're the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Could you use big R squared with a single? <laughs> you can. It just ends up being equal to little R squared. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't like you wouldn't be messing up on a test if you use big R squared in the wrong question, I guess, so to speak. No, but if you use little r with multiple regression, well, you can't. Yeah. 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 All little r squares are big r squares, but not all big r squares are little r squares. I got it. Yep, yeah. makes sense? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and all men are Socrates. Mm-hmm. Nothing? Nobody? Okay. You guys didn't read any Greek philosophy? I knew the bird one. Yeah. <laughs> the bird was good. I he brought in a bird just to mess with Plato or something? I I, I, I can fake my way through almost anything academically. <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. I can just go. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, which of these is going to be the best model? This is a question. This is just the kind of question I might ask you. Well, it's it may not be in the same format, but this is the kind of question you're going to get in your final exam. Okay, here's a model that just has x1 in the model. When I say it just has x1, there's a y, and there's an intercept, okay, all that's there. I'm using a shorthand. So if we've got, in this case, the model technically is y hat equals b sub 0 plus b sub 1 x sub 1 plus residual plus e. So here's our regression. Sum of squares is 50, our residual sum of squares is 80. I didn't tell you how many, anything about n's or anything about p's or anything. Put it over there. What about if we have x2 in the model? <coughs> so in this case, we've got 30. 
and 100 for our residual. Notice something so far. Has anybody noticed anything about these two models? They're both single variable models. This one does not have x1 in it, and this one does not have x2 as a predictor. Do you notice anything so far? It's okay if you don't. Well, let's bring in the x1, x2 variable model. So there's x1, x2. So this has both variables in the model, and of course y and an intersect. Which one's the best one? And why? But first, but before that, do you notice anything about this, about these three models that's similar? And I haven't given you the models at all, but just even about these source of variation, reason for your days. SS equals, no, it would be the same, because the SS for X1 equals 130, and the SS for X2 equals 130. And for X1, X2 equals 130. Oh, yeah, that, that's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah, the total sum of squares is 130. That's good. Glad you caught that. What it's saying here, that says, we'll call you it, what any is saying, <laughs> but what this says is that there's a total amount of variation available in Y that can be explained. And it's, it, and that value in this case is 130. 130 what? 137 squares. Doesn't matter. Okay? Now, the regression source of variation tells us how much is being explained. <coughs> A little more fine rate is the regression mean square tells us that. But even just looking at the sum of squares, let's see. Which model do you like the best? Or is there one that's the worst when we can remove it right away, if we're making a decision? So, so right now we've got two variables, x1 and x2, and we've got y. We're trying to explain why. We just figured out, the, we did the math for all three models. We got these three analyses of variance. Which one sucks when we remove? I guess the question is, which one explains the least variance? Wouldn't we just want to keep x1, x2 because it has the most degrees of freedom? Or am I thinking backwards? No, no. Actually, the problem here is that degrees of freedom are high, so it's harder to find significance. To so find we get No, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Because look at the sum of squares. It's big compared to these two. But there's one that's bad, not bad, one we can remove. Is it X2? Yeah, it's X2. It explains a smaller amount of variance. So it now goes between X1 and X1, X2. Is the jump from 50 up to 80 out of 130 total? Some of squares. Is that enough? <coughs> That's a pretty, it's actually a pretty big jump. If you just calculate our square, you know that it's actually a very large jump. So you probably, you'd probably go with this one, x1, x2. I can make an argument, which I will refute in a moment because it's something I haven't taught you yet, but I like this one because it's just a line. We have one predictor variable, it's just a line. Anybody can understand a line. Surfaces are a little harder. Eh, the thing is, I can still draw a surface, or I can get a computer program to draw a surface. But it's easier to understand a single one. Here's a question, though. 
x1 and x2 overlap. Are they explaining any of the same variance? In other words, does it look like, so there's y, there's two possibilities. Does it look like this? Does it look like this? Because if they overlap, we're not explaining unique variants. We're explaining the same thing twice, which isn't going to be very good. We want to explain unique variants. Right? You would never have a model, take it to the extreme, you would never have a model that says your weight in kilograms equals your height in inches plus something times your height in centimeters. It's stupid. You're explaining the same. It's not helping you in any way. So which one? Do you think these overlap? X1, X2, or they don't overlap. And there is an answer to this question. Look at those numbers in front of you. And when you say one or the other, I'm going to ask you why. Why would you say they would overlap though? Because like regression in X1 is greater than regression in X2. It just could be there's, there's more overlap with X1 and Y than X2 and Y. In fact, that is what that means there. Okay. Yeah. Because I guess like the difference between SS and X2 is greater than the one in like X1. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's all. It just means that well, all that this is telling you is if it's fifty out of one hundred and thirty and uh, thirty out of one hundred and thirty, um, that there's more overlap between x one and y than there is between x two and y. Okay, so it's kind of like a percentage, like this it's, it's, percentage it's, it's, it's exactly a percentage. Not oh. just kind of like it's exactly a percentage. That's in fact that's what r squared is. Yeah, well, it's, oh, yeah. it's a proportion. So look at that now. Look at look at the numbers. And he's along the right path here. Look at the numbers that sum of squares for regression for those three models. You think they overlap or not, x1 and x2? And there is a way to figure this out. Or do you want me to tell you? Because it's soon, soon I'm gonna, we're going to be losing listeners. Oh, so. Uh, oh, I think, I, think, I think I saw a light bulb. <laughs> because. I'm going to say it's going to be the other one because so like the top one because so 50 covers whatever percentage mm -hmm. of 130 mm -hmm. and then 30 covers less mm -hmm. whereas 100 covers like a lot uh -huh. but 80 still covers less than 100. You are so close. You are so close. 50? 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. I was just making out what you were saying. Yeah. No, no, no. You got this there. Is, stand on the shoulders of giants, as no, Isaac Newton said. Five, five. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure Isaac Newton. So if you need any help with your calculus, or physics don't work. Look, it's unique variants. 50, 80, 30, 100. Still 130. So it's always going to add up the same. <clears throat> but if this plus this is this, that means it's got to be like this one on the top. Sorry. And that's great. We have accounted for unique variants. 
unique variance. You guys are always doing your own show back here. I think it's great. We seem to be having fun, so you can do it okay, so I'm not worried. I'm always concerned that I've done something horrible and you're laughing at me. But that's okay. Because I'm really quite self-centered. Um, we want to, 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 to account for unique variants. We don't want overlap. I choose this one. It's pretty rare when you get, in fact, this is so cooked up, this doesn't happen. This is in the best of all possible worlds, which we don't live in. Please. So then how come for residual it's 50 and not 180? Because then it, it can't be more than 130. The total amount of variance in Y is all the sum of squares added up together. Right, which is 130. Yeah. So 80 and 50 is 130, 30 and 100 is 130, 80 and 50 is 130. So do we always look at the top variable? Or? I would look at, see in this case, there's a way to do this. It's a little more uh, finer brain than that. And we'll get into it. In fact, when you're looking at sums of squares, remember we talked about type 1 and type 2 sums of squares with analysis of variance. The reason type 2 sums of squares are useful is they're useful in, remember I said matter what you put in a model in, in, when you did the, the math first? That's what you put in the model first. That's what matters. Type 1 sums of squares depend on the order variables go into the model. Type 2s don't. So let's say we have a three-variable model, x1, x2, and x3. Again, there's also intercept, and there's also residual, and it's y equals some combination of those. Okay. So type 1 and type 2 sums of squares. Type 1 sums of squares, depending on the order they go in, type 2's don't. So, if it works like this. For three variables, the type 1 sum of squares for x1 is sum of squares for progression x1. Type 1 sum of squares for x2 is x1 and x2. They're both in there because we put x1 in first, and x3 is all of them together. The type 2s are conditional. x1 given x2, x3. x2 given x1, x3. x3 given x1, x2. So, if we just had two... The type 2 sum of squares here for this one here on the bottom right is, and we put x1 in first, it'll just be this map out here. It's the x. Type 2 sum of squares simply measure extra variance with everything else being already in the model. That's the key thing to take home from that. Type 2 sums of squares measure extra variance, assuming all the other variables are in the model. And I think you can see how that is going to be the most useful thing that we can calculate. Not that you can ever calculate yourself. It involves a great deal of matrix algebra. But a computer could do it. And if you get those values for all these different variables, it's going to tell you what unique variance that's added for a given variable. And that's what you want. You don't want any overlap. If you take a look at the model, there's nothing in there about relationships between the x variables at all. 
right? It's all independent. It's this plus this plus this plus this. Not this plus this unless this is here. There's none of that crap. Questions? We'll stop a little early. I know this is pretty dense. And we will pick it up next time. Thanks, guys. audio is available, of course, on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. Just search for Dave, uh, Dr. Dave Broderick's uh, Psychology Lectures from Algoma University, which is the most ungainly title ever. Uh, these are released under a uh, um, Creative Commons copyright share like 3.0 Canada. Uh, you can't use these for commercial purposes. Um, you Feel free to share them uh, and feel free to mash them up any way you want, but if you do that, that means I get to do the same thing with your stuff. Sort of like the GNU license. Um... I hope you learned something, but if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcast, uh, like Podsafe music, so if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me and I'll find, uh, I'll find out. Um, Often I put links uh, actually in the uh, if you want to call them show notes or blog posts. So uh, you know, 
buy these people's music. They're they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>